You're about to hear words from me you've never heard before. I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong about this election. I was dead wrong that Donald Trump would not win in the primaries. I was dead wrong that Donald Trump would not beat Hillary Clinton in the general election. I was wrong that the poll data was reliable. It was not. I was wrong the experts knew what the hell they were talking about with regard to ground game. They didn't. I was wrong that the movement of which Donald Trump bragged was just more Trumpian braggadocio rather than a real on-the-ground mass phenomenon. Now I pray fervently that Donald Trump proves me wrong again about him as a human being. I didn't vote for Trump yesterday for all the reasons I expressed yesterday on this program. I do not think Donald Trump is a good man, let alone a great one. I'm deeply concerned he's not conservative. I'm deeply concerned he'll fail to fulfill his promises, that he'll focus on useless fights, that he'll engage in counterproductive ones, that he'll sell out the people who voted for him. I'm concerned that Republicans, justifiably intoxicated by victory over the Wicked Witch of the West, Hillary Clinton, will grant a halo effect to Trump that will allow him to engage in anti-conservative policies that will damage the country and political foolishness that will damage the conservative movement with constituencies that conservatives are still going to have to recruit. But I have said for months that Trump could prove me wrong. I did say that. He certainly has every opportunity to do so now. He enters office with the majority of Republicans in the Senate. He enters office with the majority of Republicans in the House. He enters with an open Supreme Court seat, a vast majority of GOP state legislatures, a vast majority of GOP governors. Now is the time for the vast change that we were promised and that Donald Trump promised to deliver. This will require Donald Trump to change as a human. That doesn't mean he should lose his fighting nature at all. Obviously, he should keep fighting the media. It's the best thing that he did the entire campaign. I've praised that part of him for years and consistently throughout this election cycle. It doesn't mean he should stop channeling the outrage of Americans. But bad people don't become better people when they become powerful people. And Donald Trump was just handed the keys to the car, the leadership of the most powerful country in the history of humanity, and the most powerful office in the most powerful country in the history of humanity. Will Trump feel freed from the boundaries set on him by the strictures of a presidential race? Will he feel unshackled to be sort of the bad Trump that we saw during the primaries and during the general? Or will Trump actually change as a human and be elevated by his office? Will he grow into the person that we all want him to be? I sincerely hope, really I hope, that I'm wrong about him and that it is the latter. I plan to hold him accountable if it's the former. As I have for the entirety of this election cycle and consistently throughout my career, I will praise Trump when he deserves it. I will criticize him when he does not deserve it. For the sake of America, for the sake of conservatism, I hope, I hope, I have nothing but praise for President-elect Donald Trump. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? I think that's the big news from the election, by the way, is that that lives on for another four years, gang. So if you like good Trump, bad Trump, that sucker lives on. And, uh, and we still continue not to pay royalties to Brandon Snipes, the creator of that particular, that particular ditty. So that's very exciting. So a lot to get to today. Did something happen last night? I missed it. I, something? Uh, there's a basketball game, right? Somebody won, somebody lost. I don't know. I just, people were saying something big was happening. And yeah. Uh, if, I, if I seem a little bit uh, tired today, that's because we did an eight-hour broadcast yesterday. We did a live broadcast here at DailyWire.com and on Facebook. Me and Andrew Clavin and Jeremy Boring and uh, and Bill Whittle stopped by for more time than he should have, and uh, and some others stopped by uh, as well. Is Stephen Crowder, Glenn Beck? It was it was a star-studded affair, um, but it was it was really it was really great fun, uh, and it was fun to watch the race shift over the course of the evening from. Donald Trump is going to lose to Donald Trump is now going to defeat Hillary Clinton and watching just the lifeblood drain out of the faces of the people who love Hillary Clinton, watching as the universe leached all meaning from their lives uh, was was really quite astounding. <laughs> and in many ways, we'll get to all of that in a second. But first, 
If you were looking at the stock market today, and the stock market was down a lot today, uh, and you're thinking, hey, maybe I should invest in precious metals. Well, you need to talk to my friends at Birch Gold. Birchgold.com slash Ben is the place to do this. If you want to move some of your assets into precious metals, if you feel like the market is inflated, if you are concerned that now that President Trump has been elected, President-elect Trump, <laughs> I'm sorry, President-elect Trump has been elected to the, the presidency to the White House, if you're concerned that Barack Obama on his way out is going to have Janet Yellen raise the interest rates to give, uh, to give Trump a bad economy, uh, and you want to invest some of your money in precious metals, talk to my friends over at birchgoldgroup.com slash Ben uh, to move some of your IRA or 401k into precious metals, ask all your questions, get all your answers, and then work with uh, the folks at Birch Gold Group, birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so here is the deal. Here is the deal. And there's so much to talk about surrounding this election. Who are sort of the winners and who are the losers, and what do conservatives do from here? Because, you know, Donald Trump I have hopes that Donald Trump, with a conservative majority, is going to actually do some very conservative things. I do have hope for that. That's going to require Mitch McConnell to have a spine, uh, and that is going to that, that's always a dicey proposition, especially when there are apparently 51 senators. So that means that he really has to hold his caucus in check. If you want Donald Trump to get things done, Mitch McConnell must hold kind of weak kneed Republicans like uh, like uh, Susan Collins from Maine has to hold them in uh, in check for sure. And that's a, that's a very important thing. But I want to talk about first the biggest losers last night. So there are a lot of people just to get this this kind of elephant out of the room who say that never Trump was the big loser last night. Not really, because I knew one of these two people was going to be elected, and I didn't want it to be Hillary, and I didn't want it to be Trump. So I lost this election a long time ago. Uh, and last night, if you watched the broadcast, I, I said I was feeling pretty ambivalent. I felt a little bit manic-depressive. Every time we talked about Hillary Clinton not being president, a smile crossed my face. The hilarity of Hillary Clinton spending her entire life using whatever was left of her soul in order to become president of the United States, only to lose to Donald Trump, a reality TV star. After spending her entire life standing next to a guy who sexually abuses women, after using every element of government to corrupt effect, after perverting justice, after escaping justice, after running 1,000 times for the presidency to win the popular vote but lose heavily in the electoral vote, again, to Donald Trump, a person that she and her husband told to run, <laughs> it's like that's wonderful. Every time I thought of that, I just thought somewhere Hillary Clinton is just— Tying Huma Abbott into a bed and beating her with a cane, but not in the not in the usual way. So that's that's you know that it, it, the imagery there is pretty phenomenal and pretty hilarious. And then I thought President Trump, and I thought yes, yeah, so that happened. That's a thing. Uh, I'm, you know my views of Trump. I have not been shy about my views of Trump in the past. As I said uh, in the opener here. Donald Trump uh, has to change as a man in order for me to him to earn my support as, as president of the United States. He didn't earn my vote because the evidence that I saw did not suggest he was a man worthy of my vote. Now he has the opportunity to, to earn my support by doing all the things that he promised that he would do uh, and avoiding all the things that he promised he would do also uh, and actually being a good president. So we'll see how that turns out. Also, I'd like to see him ascend to the character that is necessary for a Republican president of the United States. I still care about character in a Republican president, and I'd like to see uh, Donald Trump become that. I'd like to see Donald Trump change as a human being. Uh, whether he does or not is up to him, and I will make my judgments of that based on whether he does or not. But uh, I don't think never Trump was the big loser last night in the sense that I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't want Hillary to win. And my agenda has been always the same, which was hold whoever is in power to the fire when it comes to conservative principles. So here are the real losers last night. Number one, Hillary. Wow. 
Wow. Okay, so the big untold story of this election. There are a lot of lies that are being passed around already about this election. A lot of bad lessons that are being learned. For example, the idea that Donald Trump drove out a mass movement. Donald Trump just absolutely drove out this brand new vast mass movement that existed never before in human history. Donald Trump won less in terms of won fewer popular votes in the general election than Mitt Romney did in 2012. Mitt Romney won about 61 million votes. Donald Trump won somewhere between 59 and 60 million uh, popular votes. And he actually underpolled in terms of absolute votes. He underpolled Mitt Romney even in states like Wisconsin. So Romney won something like 1.4 million votes in Wisconsin in 2012, uh, and Trump won 1.3 million. What that means is that the real story of this election, just in terms of, of how this happened, the real story of this election is that Hillary Clinton failed to drive out nearly 7 million Barack Obama voters. Nearly 7 million Barack Obama voters did not show up for Hillary Clinton, and that's off his high in 2008. Remember, he lost something like, I think it was 3 to 4 million voters from 2008 to 2012. So from 2008 to, to 2016, Hillary Clinton dropped somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 million Democrat voters. That's how unpopular she is. She has been officially named by the Guinness Book of World Records the worst politician in the history of humanity, actually. So congratulations to Hillary on that prize. She lost to Obama in 2008, of course. She, everyone thought she was going to win. She lost. Then she nearly lost in the primaries to a septuagenarian asylum escapee. And then finally, she loses to a, real, a reality TV star who, four weeks before the election, was hit with a tape in which he said that he wanted to grab women by the bleep. She lost to that. She is the worst politician in American history, and no one more richly deserves that title. Okay, second big loser last night, Barack Obama. His agenda is toast. His agenda is in serious trouble. Obamacare will be repealed if Republicans invoke the nuclear option and can hold their caucus together. Obamacare will be repealed, and it will be replaced, which is a great thing. There could be a conservative justice, again, if Mitch McConnell does his job, always a dicey proposition. We could see a, a tax decrease. We could see some significant slashes to regulation. Barack Obama's executive orders will likely be walked back. Barack Obama remains popular personally, but he's popular in the same way that many celebrities, it turns out, are popular. He's popular as a celebrity. No one likes his policies. He doesn't get to appoint his next of kin. He doesn't get to appoint Hillary to his third term. His, his agenda is essentially tossed out on its ass. And more than that, Barack Obama continued to make the case throughout his presidency that America was a deeply racist, terrible place filled by white people who were terribly, deeply racist and awful, and America was a negative force in the world. The, the, the best thing about the Trump campaign and the Trump movement, the, the, the thing that I think is, is actually worthwhile, is that people were, were standing up and proudly saying, Bill Little did say this yesterday, and I think he's right, what was on the hat? That making America great again was something that was worthwhile, that America is great. The people here are not racist. We are not bad people. We don't deserve the ire of elites like Barack Obama scorning us, looking down on us, and pretending that they are on a higher plane while they call us racist and then pander to a racial base. It totally backfired on Obama. It totally backfired on Hillary. And Obama's legacy is now on the table. The only legacy he's going to have after the first hundred days of a Trump administration, if Trump does his job, the only legacy Barack Obama will have is that he preceded Donald Trump and that Barack Obama was unable to win a third term, which means his real only legacy will be that he was the first black president, which, of course, is the only reason the media loved him in the first place. Okay, then uh, the biggest losers in all of this, bigger than Hillary, bigger than Obama, the biggest losers in all of this, obviously the media. 
Obviously, the media. The media just gets schlonged in this election cycle. And I will say this. People say that it was Trump that ruined the media. I don't think that's right. I think the media ruined the media. I think the media ruined the media in 2012 when they took a fundamentally decent man, Mitt Romney, and called him a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe. And then in 2016, they said the same things about Trump, and it just didn't wash. People said, you called Mitt Romney that, and we don't believe you. We think that that was a lie. You have no credibility whatsoever. Bill Maher said this. We played it on tape the other day. And the media had no credibility All of their talk about racist, sexist, bigotry, homophobia, all of it just fell apart. It fell apart in their faces. They'd called Wolf too many times. Nobody believes anything they have to say. There was a poll yesterday, an exit poll, showed 76% of the people who voted thought the media were more interested in making money than they were in telling the truth. When that's the case, the media have lost all power in our elections, and that is a grand and glorious thing. And I do have to thank Donald Trump for consistently ripping on the media. Now, sometimes he was ripping on them even when they were telling the truth. But the fact that people don't trust the media overall, is a good thing considering the leftist bias inherent in the media and that was so obviously on display. Final big losers of the night, Senate Democrats. Senate Democrats have serious troubles now. So the idea here was that Senate Democrats were going to gain a majority and they'd be able to stymie a President Trump. They don't. The only seats that Republicans end up losing are Mark Kirk in Illinois and maybe Kelly Ayotte in New Hampshire. That one is still a little bit too close to call. They end up retaining their Senate majority. That's horrible news for the Democrats, because in 2018, there are five, count them, five vulnerable Democrat seats in the Senate. If Republicans win anywhere near that number, they suddenly have a dominant majority in the Senate, and Chuck Schumer doesn't have a lot of power. Now, I will say, Chuck Schumer is a very smart political operator. Chuck Schumer is going to create a consolidated force against the Republican majority. Republican majorities have a nasty habit of splintering, because there are always gangs of eight and people who want to run for president, who want to stake out their own ground. Um, But if McConnell can hold fast, ha ha ha, if McConnell can hold fast, then you're looking at at just a devastating night for Senate Democrats. So here's the deal. Donald Trump has no excuse not to deliver on all the promises that he's made. None. He has all the promises are on the table. He should be delivering on all the promises. I want to see Obamacare appealed. I want to see the conservative justice. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I said I said during the primaries and during the general, I did not trust Donald Trump to do these things, and I want to see him prove me wrong, and I will be the happiest man on earth. I will really be happy. When I say I want to see him prove me wrong, I don't mean that facetiously. I would love nothing better than for Donald Trump to turn out to shock me and shock the world again and end up being the second coming of Ronald Reagan, being a wonderful conservative president and making the country better for everybody. I think that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing for the country, wonderful for the Republican Party. I do think that we're going to have to you know, take a little bit of care in the lessons that we learned from this election cycle because we have a habit of jumping to the wrong lessons in various election cycles. In this one, it's a single data point, right? And we're going to learn a lot from that single data point. Already some of the bad lessons that I'm hearing are things like polls are stupid. No, the polls in Wisconsin were, were off. The polls in Michigan were off. The polls in Pennsylvania were off. The polls were right on in Ohio. They were right on in Florida. They were right on North Carolina. They were right on in New Hampshire. They were right on, they, they were right on in most of the country. They were off in a lot of these places because they assumed that Hillary would not have the massive voter drop-off that she had. The electorate in this election cycle was D plus four. For a, for a four-year election cycle, for a presidential election cycle, that is unheard of. Normally, it's a D plus eight. Normally, it's a real, but the national polling was right on the money. The polling average had them had it at about 3% split with a 3% margin of error. Hillary ends up winning the popular vote by somewhere around 1%. So what that means is that all of this talk about suddenly Bill Mitchell is a poll expert because he called that Trump was going to win. No, sometimes you, sometimes the broken clock is right. And Bill Mitchell is certainly a broken clock. He was right. 
That does not mean that all poles should be thrown out. It sort of reminds me of in baseball. In baseball, for baseball fans, uh, there's something called sabermetrics, and that's the idea that you study statistics uh, when, you, when you pick the players on your team. But when you get to the playoffs, sometimes there are teams that win that are not sabermetrically built. They're not mathematically built. And the idea is that the sample size is just too small for us to tell. Presidential elections only happen once every four years. So the idea that stats don't matter because we had a black swan election, that seems like the wrong lesson to learn and a dangerous lesson to learn. The lesson that you don't need a ground game is a stupid lesson, especially because, number one, the RNC clearly did have a ground game. And number two, because you're going to need a ground game when you have a candidate who doesn't have 100% name recognition and billions of dollars in free media coverage. other, Other things that people are learning from this, you can focus solely and completely on the white vote. That's a mistake. Trump has an absolutely wonderful opportunity now to reach out to new constituencies. He's the president. That means he can reach out in a really significant way. He should continue the reach out to black communities. He won 8% of the black vote, which was more than Mitt Romney's 5% of the black vote. Uh, he won 29% of the Hispanic vote, which was more than Mitt Romney's share of the Hispanic vote, which is absolutely shocking and demonstrates the wild unpopularity of Hillary Clinton. He has to reach out to those constituencies. He has to reach out to young people. Young people voted heavily for Hillary Clinton. The reason I say this is because, not, not to take away from Trump's victory, but to note that this is not going to be the last election ever, and demographics are continuing to shift away from older white voters, even if, this, even if older white voters represented the outsized, the outsized share of Trump voters that drove him over the top on all of this. So those are my basic thoughts on the, on, on the election cycle, but I want to go through some of the details. Before we get to all of that, and say hello to our sponsors over at trunkclub.com. So trunkclub.com, if you're looking for fantastic clothes, like really well-tailored, well-crafted clothes, and you want somebody to help you out, you need basically a personal stylist. That's what Trunk Club does. So you coordinate with your own personal stylist when you go to trunkclub.com slash Ben, and you type in your measurements, you share your likes and dislikes, and Trunk Club will send you a trunk of clothing straight to your door, handpicked by a personal stylist. You can text with the stylist, so they'll tell you, what you have in your wardrobe that matches the things that they want to send you. And then you can take a look and you send the you send the clothes back that you don't want and you keep the ones that you do. You can also, if you're in cities like Dallas, New York, LA, Chicago, DC, or Charleston, you can go to their trunk club clubhouses, which are super cool. I went to the one in LA and they actually have a personal stylist who'll meet you and spend a fair bit of time with you. Yeah, getting to know kind of what you want in your fashion. Uh, they have for both men and women. It's trunkclub.com slash Ben. It's trunkclub.com slash Ben to become part of Trunk Club. I, I think their product is fantastic. I have, a, I have a pair of jeans and a jacket from them. Spent my own money on it because I think their product is so good and because they, they do a wonderful job of tailoring. They'll even tailor, by the way, your clothes. If you bring your clothes to them for like a $15 fee, they'll tailor it for you as well. So that's trunkclub.com slash Ben. All righty, so... Donald Trump wins last night in what is easily, easily the, the biggest election shocker uh, in the history of the nation. It is by far the biggest election shocker in the history of the nation. This would make the fifth time in American presidential history somebody loses the popular vote but wins the Electoral College. It happened in 1824. It happened in 1876. It happened in 1888. And it happened in 2000 with George W. Bush. And then it happened again uh, last night. It is interesting. Not a lot of discussion about the popular vote versus the Electoral College because Hillary was so widely expected to win and under performed Trump got up and he gave a victory speech and I think that there are, there are a few things that are that are that we're going to analyze as we continue on the show uh, in just a minute we're going to analyze some of the lessons from this whether the lessons are right or wrong as I say what kind of president is Trump actually going to be we're going to try and read some tea leaves on that because we're going to have to see which support base he decides to cater to uh, we're going to talk about the the absolutely delicious media reaction because the media just 
oh my goodness gracious, they lost their ever-loving minds, and it was quite beautiful. And we'll talk about uh, also some stuff I like and stuff I hate. But in order to get all that, you have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. $8 a month will bring you to dailywire.com, and then you can be part of the – first of all, you get our, our site – free of ads if you get if you get the subscription at dailywire.com if you get an annual subscription then you get my book signed my new book true allegiance signed uh, which is exciting for you because absolutely it's a keepsake that you'll want to hand down to your grandchildren. Uh, plus, uh, you get to be part of the mailbag in a couple days. You get Clavin's show. Uh, we're adding new goodies all the time at dailywire.com. So go ahead and check that out. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. Okay, so with all those preliminaries out of the way, uh, with all those preliminaries out of the way, uh, let's let's go to Trump's victory speech. So uh, we were sitting here last night with Bill Whittle, and I don't want to pick on, on Bill too much, but I'll pick on him a little bit. Uh, Bill was over the moon, uh, and and I think that there is something to be said about being over the moon about Hillary losing and being a little bit trepidatious about about Donald Trump's victory, just because Donald Trump does not have a history of solid judgment, but. Uh, Donald Trump comes out and he gives his, his victory speech, and his victory speech is actually quite sober. And this, there is a case to be made. Bill Biddle was celebratory about it, and I thought that it was a good speech as well, by the way. There's a case to be made. We'll see. We'll see. It's too early to say any of this, obviously. But on pure speculative terms, Donald Trump's speech last night reflected a man who is sobered by the position in which he now finds himself. The Trump people did not think they were going to win yesterday. None of the Trump internals showed this. Nobody thought this was going to happen. None of the, in my own defense for calling this absolutely wrong, Nate Silver got it wrong. The New York Times got it wrong. The Huffington Post got it wrong. Real Clear Politics got it wrong. Every single pollster in America got this thing, got this thing wrong. It is a shocker. It is an upset of historic, epic proportions. Uh, and Trump got out there, and he looked like a man who was, it was finally hitting him that he is going to be the most powerful man on earth. And I hope, I hope, I hope, that that realization, the honor that, that the American people have bestowed on Donald Trump, uh, means that we are going to get a, a more sober uh, and balanced Donald Trump. Here is Donald Trump's victory speech last night. We have a great economic plan. We will double our growth and have the strongest economy anywhere in the world. At the same time, we will get along with all other nations willing to get along with us. We will be. We'll have great relationships. We expect to have great, great relationships. Oh, that's all fine. You know, nothing, nothing special there. Everybody's going to get along with us. We'll have to see how this plays out in practice. It's too early to criticize him because we don't know what President-elect Trump is going to do. We'll have to wait for the specifics. That's why I'm not going to cheer preemptively, and it's why I'm not going to boo preemptively. Uh, we'll just have to wait to see what he means by all of this. Uh, and then he says something that I think is important. He says that, that it's time to unify. Hillary has worked very long and very hard over a long period of time, and we owe her a major debt of gratitude for her service to our country. I mean that very sincerely. Now it's time for America to bind the wounds of division. We have to get together. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. And good for him. And look at him. He looks much more sober. This is not, this is not kind of triumphal Trump, which is great. I think that the humility that he's demonstrating here is pretty amazing. I have to say, the image, just the, some, some of the images of this thing are so spectacular. Imagine Inauguration Day. 
in January, Barack Obama is going to have to hand the keys to the White House to this fellow. Okay, just imagine that. And imagine Donald Trump in his first statement says, I am so excited to be here today, becoming the first president of the United States in eight years to be born in the United States. It will be pretty spectacular. I mean, it's, it's man, if you wanted a, an election that trolled the left, you got it, gang. I mean, pretty, pretty incredible. But what he's saying there is obviously something that he has to say. And then he says, you know, I love this country. We're going to get to work immediately for the American people. And we're going to be doing a job that hopefully you'll be so proud of your president. You'll be so proud. Again, it's my honor. It was an amazing evening. It's been an amazing two-year period. And I love this country. Thank you. Thank you very much. Notes from people saying when he said, I love this country, that they were tearing up. And I think that that is really the theme of, of Trump's victory. People believe that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton actually on a fundamental level do not like this country, do not like the people in this country, think the people in this country are a bunch of bitter clingers, deplorables, uh, and they are justified in that outrage. And they look at Trump and they see a guy who, for better or for worse, reflects their love of country. He may not understand all the things that I want him to understand about the Constitution or founding philosophy. He may not even be a conservative, but he's not somebody who on a gut level thinks America is a bad place filled with bad people. And I think that that's something that, that Americans uh, were, were desperate for. Uh, it, by the way, it is worth mentioning that in this, in this little victory speech, Donald Trump did go ahead and say that he was going to drop a massive infrastructure plan on us, so I guess we're going to spend a lot of money. But that's to be expected. All I will say to my fellow conservatives is when he does good things, let's praise him. And when he does bad things, let's not praise him. Let's not just grant him carte blanche because he defeated Hillary Clinton. That's a wonderful thing that Hillary Clinton is not president of the United States. But if we sacrifice conservatism for victory, then I'm not sure that we win. So that's 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 all I would say about the infrastructure plan. Okay. The, the, the most ironic point of the evening, of course, is when John Podesta, who's really one of the sleazier people in politics, Hillary's campaign manager, he gets up there last night, and everybody knows by this point at the night, it's like 11 o'clock at night Pacific time, everybody in the world knows that Hillary Clinton has lost the election. It's obvious to everyone. All the polls are in. We know Hillary Clinton is done. Does Hillary come out and concede? No. She sends out uh, her little man boy, John Podesta, to say this. I know you've been here a long time. And it's been a long night, and it's been a long uh, campaign. But I could say uh, we can wait a little longer, can't we? <laughs> They're still counting votes, and every vote should count. Several states are too close to call, so we're not going to have anything more to say tonight. So listen. Listen to me. Everybody should uh, head home. You should get some sleep. We'll have more to say tomorrow. I want you to know, I want every person in this hall to know, and I want every person across the country who supported Hillary to know that your voices and your enthusiasm mean so much to her and to Tim and to all of us. We are so proud of you. Amazing. And then he just walks off the stage, right? We're, we're done here. He just walks off the stage. So the election results are in. Who's not accepting an election result? Who's not doing it? I mean, it is a New York egomaniac, but it ain't Trump. There's Hillary Clinton not accepting the election results. And then today, of course, she did come out and she did accept the election results. We'll get to her concession speech in just a moment. 
But it is telling that all the people in the media who are saying it is a threat to democracy, that Donald Trump will not accept election results if he loses because rigged, 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 then what happens when it's your own lady who basically won't accept it? Really amazing. Really amazing. So that's that's really quite spectacular. Okay. Meanwhile, the question becomes what happens next. Paul Ryan got out there, and we'll, we'll discuss you know, the, the, what Trump does about this. But Paul Ryan obviously making overtures to Trump, saying, okay, I'm the Speaker of the House. He's the president-elect. We're going to have to work together here. Look at these issues. Look at the potential for our country. Look at the direction we've been going. Look at the direction we need to go. And look at what a unified Republican government can get you. And he, and he continues along these lines. He says he, he gives all the credit to Donald Trump, which, by the way, is the smart political move. Number one, it pleases a lot of the Trump people. You know, some of this isn't true, right? A lot of these people fought races on their own because Trump was not particularly generous uh, with the dollars that he was handing out to a lot of these Senate candidates. But Ryan basically gives all the credit to Trump. That's smart both politically, and it's also smart with regard to appeasing Trump, because if you're going to make Trump feel good about you, the best way to do that is by giving Trump all sorts of credit. That's what Paul Ryan does here. We won more seats than anyone expected, and much of that is thanks to Donald Trump. Donald Trump provided the kind of coattails that got a lot of people over the finish line so that we could maintain our strong House and Senate majorities. Now we have important work to do. Many months ago, Republicans in the House united around a bold, specific agenda for this country. It offers a better way forward for America, and it will help us hit the ground running as we work with Donald Trump to do this. We will honor the timeless principles that our country was founded on. Liberty, freedom, free enterprise, consent of the governed. And we will apply those principles to the problems of the day. This is the kind of language, like, look, Ryan's actually conservative, Trump isn't. But if they can make common cause and do some good things for the country, that obviously is a good thing. He says we have to work to heal the divisions as well within the Republican Party and inside the country. We have to work to heal the divisions of a long campaign. I think President-elect Donald Trump set the perfect tone last night for doing just this. And I know President Obama and Secretary Clinton are committed to bringing the country together. This needs to be a time of redemption, not a time of recrimination. We all need to rededicate ourselves to making America great and making it a more perfect union. Okay, so listen, this is an optimistic vision of what a, of what a Trump-Ryan team-up would look like. The question is going to be whether Trump accepts that uh, and whether whether his own crowd allows him to accept that. Meanwhile, uh, let's taste a little bit of, of the delicious tears because that was that was the part of this. This is all you know, a little bit gut churning because we don't know what's going to happen yet with Trump. And to pretend that we do know that Trump is obviously going to be wonderful or that he's obviously going to be terrible. Let's let's just wait to see, because, you know, my hunch is that Donald Trump is still Donald Trump, but he can prove me wrong. He's proved me wrong before. But let's let's actually take a little bit of time to bask in the tears. So. Tim Kaine, the vice presidential pick for Hillary Clinton, who could barely even squeak, squeak her by in Virginia. I mean, just a terrible VP pick for Hillary Clinton because she ran one of the world's worst campaigns ever in the history of mankind. The last time somebody ran a campaign this bad, it was Pharaoh leading the Egyptians into the Red Sea. Uh, Hillary's pick, Tim Kaine, he gives his kind of pre-concession concession speech. Nobody, nobody had to wonder about Hillary Clinton, whether she would accept an outcome of an election in our beautiful democracy. Nobody had to ask that question. Nobody had to doubt it. She knows our country for what it is. She knows the system that we have and in its warts and blemishes, she's deeply in love with it and accepts it. She's been in battles before where if it didn't go her way, she accepted it, but then woke up the next day and battled again for the dreams that she's held fast to. And that love of country is something that I think is, is obvious 
to everybody. Obvious to everyone. Okay, and obviously Tim Kaine's going to say nice things about his running mate. Her love of country earned her a crap load of money and a crap load of corruption. Quick question for Hillary Clinton fans. How many people do you think are going to pay her $250,000 now for a speech? Now that she has no government power. Any? How do you think those donations are going to go to the Clinton Foundation? If it ain't a giant slush fund designed to enrich the Clintons, how do you think that's going to work out? And the answer is not particularly well. Then Hillary, who delays and delays and delays, finally she comes out and she gives her concession speech. And her concession speech is actually the best that she was the entire campaign, not just because she's losing and it's wonderful, but also because and, – and the idea that we're not going to have to listen to this for four years is quite – I'm enamored of this. I, I think that that is just tremendous in every way, shape, or form. But this was the best Hillary has looked throughout the election cycle because she actually looked human for the first time in the election. And there is something in the, in the nature of Shakespearean tragedy – if Trump is Shakespearean comedy, because it's just a farce, then Hillary is Shakespearean tragedy. I'm hoping that Trump can turn, by the way, from a Shakespearean comedy into like a heroic character like a Henry V. We'll find out. That's Laura Ingram's take. We'll find out whether that's right or not. Hillary Clinton is, uh, has turned into Shakespearean tragedy, spends her entire career, her entire life since utero, before sperm met egg. Both of them had half of a Hill, I'm with her button, and then the sperm met the egg, and then the embryo was wearing an I'm with her button, uh, all the way till now. Now Hillary is 100,000 years old, and, uh, and she escapes, and she is not president by this much because of Donald Trump. It's just, it's delicious. But Hillary's concession speech was actually the kind of concession speech that somebody needs to deliver when they lose. And to all the little girls who are watching this, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. Okay, and then she continues along those lines. She says that the one that's important is, uh, is C. She says that uh, Trump will be our next president. Donald Trump is going to be our president. We owe him an open mind and the chance to lead. Our constitutional democracy enshrines the peaceful transfer of power. And we don't just respect that, we cherish it. It also enshrines other things. The rule of law, the principle that we are all equal in rights and dignity, freedom of worship, and expression, we respect and cherish these values too, and we must. Okay, and uh, and you know that's the all of that is is nice to see. But then her concession, basically, where she says Trump is one, and she says that at one point in the speech that he has to be given the opportunity to govern, uh, and uh, and that's what somebody who's losing should say. That's what somebody who's losing should say. Now, the part of this that was really glorious was not even Hillary; it was the media. The media reaction to this was just over the top. So, first of all, Clinton supporters were were crying, just crying, crying, crying. Here, here was. Clinton supporters reacting to the news that Hillary had basically lost this election. A tough job for a guy whose life has been laid bare by a massive computer hack who has had the difficult job of being chairman of this campaign. Even I feel and a little bad for these folks. there is how so many Hillary Clinton supporters are reacting in that room. It's an interesting I'm not sure if they, decision. I, we can stop there. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we're, uh, we're crying because they're playing fight song for, uh, again. Like, I, I hope that this is the last time we ever have to hear a fight song uh, in any context whatsoever. Uh, you do feel bad for some of these people. You have young, idealistic people, misguided people uh, who back a candidate, and they're very upset about it. It is a little bit sad. The people who I'm not sad for are, of course, the members of the media and the hardcore Democrats. James Carville, wow. So he, James Carville basically comes out and he says, Obama's agenda is toast. We're done here, gang. 
What, what is here tonight is hard to put into perspective. We ha we're going to have one party rule in this country, and, and Obamacare is done. Dodd-Frank is done. The, the diplomatic and financial consequences, I'm looking out at that, the, the futures are down 719, they're going to go further. I, I have, it, it's hard to imagine what this means. And it, 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 it is no sense in sugarcoating to people. Uh, I think Wisconsin is, is very problematic. I've been talking yeah. to Chris, and if you just look at what it is, I, 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 I hate to say it, but I, I hope, please, please, God, let me be wrong. <laughs> And he ain't wrong. I mean, if, if Trump does what he has said he will do, then Obama's agenda is on the chopping block and it's delicious. Chris Mazzone, I'm going to stay. He got up, best out of the show, comes in. Just can't believe what just happened. The tingle was up his leg, tingle went down his leg, tingle went up his other leg, tingle went down his leg, his crotch stopped tingling. Now I can't feel anything all other ways because Donald Trump just schlonged him. Let's say, Chris, go, 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 Chris, go. But what a strange event. Um, seeing him with David Bossy, seeing him there with um, Bannon, Mm -hmm. And with um, Chris Christie, who's got his own problems, uh, and certainly Rudy Giuliani, who said some strange things in this campaign about life on this planet, things that were just unbelievable. And Hillary Clinton has a health problem and couldn't, be, couldn't serve as president, or that she's going to jail. I mean, think about the commitments he made about jailing Hillary Clinton if he gets elected. Uh, you heard none of that tonight in his victory speech. Let's hope um, that's a good sign, Brian. Okay, so he's beside himself. Uh, he wasn't even one of the top top answers to the to the which members of the media went most crazy. Uh, Rachel Maddow just had a meltdown on MSNBC, and there was a point last night when we were covering this where we actually turned over to MSNBC because we wanted to watch the Schadenfreude. We wanted to see the meltdown happen in real time. Here's Rachel Maddow last night losing her mind. What we've got, though, the biggest number and the biggest thing that explains how Trump could maybe win the presidency with only 29 percent of the Latino vote is that he's spiked white vote. He has figured out a way to do that. And that has always been the far right's dream, that you could figure out a way to do it without minorities. In fact, you could figure out a way to do it on the backs of minorities by threatening minorities in a way that make a lot of people uncomfortable. But by, that, do, that does awaken something uh, basically in the, in, in the, in, in, uh, that's racial anxiety among whites. Um, and, and that's how you win. That's been a dream on the far yeah, right. Um, it's the end culture dream of white turning. Well, let me give. Okay, so first of all, the end culture dream of white turnout was basically that whites would turn out at a 2% higher rate. I wrote a pamphlet earlier in this election cycle called How to Win in 2016, and I basically had the same analysis. Sean Trend made the same analysis that it's easier for Republicans to win a little bit more of the white vote. What's amazing about this election is that Mitt Romney won more of the white vote than Donald Trump did. Mitt Romney won 59% of the white vote. Donald Trump won 58% of the white vote. Where Donald Trump really did clean up was among non-college educated whites. Non-college educated whites voted something like 69 to 28 in favor of Donald Trump, which is actually a higher percentage of non-college educated white voters voting for Donald Trump than of, non, uh, than of Hispanics voting for Hillary Clinton, which is an amazing thing. That basically does suggest a sort of racial gap between uh, non-college educated white voters uh, and, and other voters. Uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty amazing. When she talks about racial anxiety, where does she think the racial anxiety comes from? It comes from people like her. It comes from people on the left. It comes from Barack Obama suggesting that there, or Hillary herself saying there's an implicit racism to all white people. I have to talk to white people and make them decent human beings. It comes from the idea that you keep getting from college campuses of white privilege. If you're white, you are therefore privileged, and this is all your fault. Everything bad that happens is your fault. The building of the country... You know, the foundation of the country, which was by white folks, that was, you don't get credit for that, 
But you do get credit for slavery and Jim Crow, and you get credit for all the bad things that are happening to minorities in the country. And when there's a riot in an inner city, that's the fault of white people. You know, that sort of philosophy has led to a racial polarization. And there was some backlash yesterday from people who said to the media and said to Barack Obama and said to Rachel Maddow, F you people. We don't care what you say about us. We're not going to sit back and, and take the blame for every bad thing that happens in the country just because of the color of our skin. Van Jones had the same take as Rachel Maddow. He, too, had a meltdown. Uh, he said this was a white lash. It was a white lash. This was many things. I, 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 this was a rebellion against the elites. True. It was a complete reinvention of, of, of politics and polls. It's true. But it was also something else. We've talked about race. I mean, we've talked about everything but race tonight. We've talked about income. We've talked about class. We've talked about region. We haven't talked about race. This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. And Donald Trump has a responsibility tonight to come out and reassure people that he is going to be the president of all the people who he insulted and offended and, and, and brushed aside. Yeah. Okay, so again, it's, it's the white lash. That is statistically untrue. The reason that Hillary lost is because minorities didn't show up for Hillary. It's because Donald Trump didn't do as badly as Mitt Romney did among minorities. Minority turnout was down for Hillary Clinton. That's why Barack, Ob that, that's why Barack Obama was elected in 2012. It's why Hillary Clinton lost last night. And, and you can see that the Democrats are losing. Cokie Roberts, uh, she says that, again, she tries to play one final time the, the sexist card, and it just fails dramatically. One other thing we should raise, and I'm getting certainly getting emails about it, which is uh, there probably is a strong sentiment about not having a woman president. And that is something that we've never had a woman president. And we've talked about excitement among women to have a woman president. But uh, there's, there's always in these situations at least equal amounts of hostility to that kind of change. And the fact that, we've, you know, that we're seeing this, uh, particularly among non-college educated white men, is not surprising. And I think some of it has to be attributed to the fact that, that Trump is running against a woman. Okay, it's all sexism, it's all racism. This is what drove Trump. You call Americans racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes long enough, and eventually they're just going to say, screw you, we're voting for the guy who doesn't say those things about us and says that we are a great people who deserve to be defended. Even if he says other terrible things, even if he does other stupid things, it doesn't matter. At least he's not insulting us. The, the fact that the left doesn't get this is a reason why Republicans have a future. It's one of the things I say on college campuses all the time. If you keep labeling Americans the bad guy, eventually they will say to you, you're the bad guy, cut it out, enough. Okay, so all that said, now the question becomes, what will Donald Trump be? What will he govern like? And to a large extent, I think that's going to be reliant on the people with whom he surrounds himself, the people he chooses to associate with. So basically, there are two wings. There's the governance wing of the Republican Party, and then there is the revenge wing of the Republican Party. Uh, the, the revenge wing consists of people like Steve Bannon, who wants to burn it all down. It consists of people uh, like, uh, like Sean Hannity, who we'll get to in just a second. Uh, it consists of the people who did the, There's also a group of people who are alt-right, who really don't like the Constitution very much, and just want to see nationalist populism with a very strong figure at the head, Dick from the top how things should be. That would be Milo Yiannopoulos and company. You know, so it'll be interesting to see, does he, does he fall prey to those people and create his own little bubble where he lives and is applauded? Uh, or does he move toward the more governance-oriented wing of his own campaign? This would be people, presumably, like Newt Gingrich, um, people even like Rudy Giuliani, big advocates for Trump, for sure, but who actually want to get some things done. Um, will he make common cause with Paul Ryan, or will he try to oust him? 
it's it's hard to say. I mean, if you, if you're looking at just Trump ego to this point, this is why I say Trump's going to have to change a little bit as a human being, and uh, when I'm not a little, he's going to have to change a lot as a human being to be a truly great president or even a good president. Uh, it, it, the, the tendency is always to bubble yourself off with a group of people who agree with you, and there are people who are encouraging him to do exactly that. Mike Huckabee says that you know the bottom line is that if you stick with Trump, you'll win. Uh, victory breeds victory. And what do you make of the, the razor-thin margin now? But Trump, according to the latest number I just saw, was up 102,000 in Florida. Well, look, we're all hanging by Chad, and I think you know it may be that way all night long. But I do think the panhandle vote is going to be over 80% for Donald Trump. It's going to be overwhelming. But one of the things that I take note of is that the people who ran with Trump are doing well and winning. The people who ran from Trump, the Republicans, they're getting hurt tonight. And I think that that says a whole lot about where this election is going to go. Okay, so bottom line is that he says, and he's right, by the way, that, that Trump actually had coattails. So if Trump thinks he's big man on campus, how does that, how does that affect things? Sean Hannity called in to Fox News last night in the middle of all this, and Hannity has been a big Trump backer all the way back during the primary, saying things I thought were not true, not remotely true about Donald Trump. Um, but Sean Hannity says he wants the war. He thinks the war is important. So he says, let's get, let's get rid of Paul Ryan as speaker. This is about one thing. They see that Washington is broken. And by the way, Republicans are just as guilty. Paul Ryan is not going to be the Speaker of the House in January. I was going to save that for my program tomorrow. He's not going to be the Speaker. His state went for Donald Trump tonight. I mean, it's an amazing turn of events because the establishment on both sides, Republican and Democrat, have lost touch with the real lives of real Americans that are really suffering and Donald Trump has now opened the door and said, we're going to fix it and we're going to turn that table over. And you know what? I wish him all the best because it's not going to be easy because all the same people that opposed him in the lead up to tonight are going to be opposing him tomorrow. Right. So revenge must be taken. They'll all be opposing Trump because Trump is the great God King and thus Trump must clear all in his path. Again, this falls back on this lie that Trump is more conservative than people like Paul Ryan. He is more conservative than Paul Ryan on immigration. He is not more conservative than Paul Ryan on anything else, literally anything else, uh, except maybe you know, he was in favor of TARP, so not anything else. Um, but there's going to be a whole wing of people telling Donald Trump, OK, purge, purge, do it. OK, let's go to war with your own party and let's make this the Trump party as opposed to a Republican party that gets conservative things done. Maybe he listens to those people. And the triumphalism of those people today is both justified and strong. I mean, there are a lot of people like me who got it totally wrong. There are a lot of people who had utter faith in Donald Trump, and they're feeling pretty justified today. And they should feel pretty justified today. He won. And you can't take that away from them. And then a lot of those people are saying, purge, 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 purge. You didn't help Trump enough. And we, we, we want revenge. Okay, well— you know, you can you can have your revenge, and then we will and then we will fight it out as to what conservative principles look like. I don't care about Trump as a political figure. I don't care about your loyalty to Trump. I don't care about anybody's loyalty to Trump. I care about whether Trump does good things now. I care whether Trump becomes a good president. I care whether Trump becomes a better man than he was in the primaries in the general election and corrects his foibles when he enters the Oval Office, looks around, and realizes that this is the place where Abraham Lincoln once stood. That's what I care about. I don't know what you care about. Maybe you just care about bowing the knee. I don't care about that. The only thing I care about is holding our politicians accountable. It's the reason I opposed Paul Ryan for the speakership of the House a year ago. Okay, that it's a reason that I. It's the reason why I say that Mitch McConnell has to have his feet held to the fire. Everybody gets held to the same standard, including and especially the guy who's going to be heading up the most powerful government in the history of the world. Okay, so all of that said. Uh, you know, let's let's do some things that I like and some things that I hate. So things I like, 
there is a book uh, that was recommended to me by the great Andrew Clavin called Secondhand Time. Really fascinating book. This won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 2015, written by Svetlana Alexievich. Um, and uh, it's, it's, what it is is basically an oral history of the Soviet Union. And then after the Soviet Union, this lady went and she talked to – really beautifully compiled. She went and she talked to a bunch of people living in, so, in post-Soviet Russia. What was it like in Soviet Russia? What is it like now? And what you see is a real nostalgia for Soviet Russia from a ton of people living in the, in the former Soviet Union. And the reason is because they moved from a system that was brutal but gave people a purpose for life and a system that is still godless – but now is but but now offers no no purpose for life other than just making a quick buck and that's sort of the generalized perception that shows you that that capitalism without a moral basis capitalism without a godly basis a society without a godly basis capitalism can't help it communism can't help it there is no substitute for the idea that your meaning in life comes from acting like a moral human being not from making money not from correcting all of society's ills with the utopian collectivism really really interesting book if you want to understand putin's russia I can't recommend something better than this. Secondhand Time, The Last of the Soviets in Oral History by Svetlana Alexievich. Okay, time for some things that I hate. All right, so uh, the, the thing that I hate today is trending number one on Facebook, on, on Twitter today, is hashtag not my president. Not my president. I am not one of these people who ever said that Barack Obama was not my president. He was duly elected. He was my president. Donald Trump is my president. Just because someone's my president doesn't mean I agree with them or like them. They were duly elected. They are my president. The left is now playing this whiny game where they say that Donald Trump isn't their president because they don't like Donald Trump. And they did the same thing with George W. Bush. And then, of course, they said that when Donald Trump said that he might not concede to Hillary, that that was a real threat to democracy. You don't get to play this game. Over at Berkeley, uh, there was a big walkout at the Berkeley High School. People just walked out into the streets to protest Donald Trump being president. First of all, Donald Trump don't care today. I mean, Donald Trump could not care less about what a bunch of high school students in Berkeley think about him being president. But there are a bunch of college classes that were canceled all around the country because of the, the emotional fallout from Donald Trump being president, as opposed to the rest of us who have to go to work the day after an election, after working an eight-hour shift covering the election. But here's the reality, Okay. We still live in a system where, correct, where correction is possible. We still live in a system where correction is possible. And I was having to argue this to the right just two days ago, that correction was still possible in the system, and now I'm arguing it to the left as well. If you don't like what you're seeing, do better in elections. If you don't like what you're seeing, use the methods at your disposal. Don't do the not-my-president routine. It's really obnoxious. Listen, I don't think that either of these two people was qualified for high office. Uh, I'm overjoyed that Hillary Clinton is not the president. I'm less than overjoyed that Donald Trump is the president because I thought it was a terrible choice. But that said, Donald Trump is my president, and the idea that he is illegitimate in any way is just asinine. He's not illegitimate, and and as a citizen, I'm happy to disagree with him when he does things that are wrong and and stand up for him when he does things that are right. As I say before, he's now the president-elect of the United States. I pray to God every day that Donald Trump ends up being the president that I don't think he will be, that I don't think he is. I hope that I am wrong. I hope that one last time Donald Trump proves me wrong. He's done it a thousand times before. I want to see him prove me wrong about who he is as a human being. I want to see that happen. And when that happens, I will be more than happy, more than happy, just as I did today with regard to the polls, more than happy to say I was wrong about not voting for Donald Trump. I'll be happy to say that when Donald Trump proves to me that he was always the guy who becomes the great president. Uh, let's, let's see him become a great president, and then we'll talk about it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show.
We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 